The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. The communication process is extremely important. Most people think about communicating as talking. And of course, communicating does involve talking, but it also involves listening. And most of us are not taught very well how to just be quiet and listen. Happy Thursday. We at The Next Big Idea Daily are glad to have you with us. And you should be glad to be here too, because we're saving you a ton of money. Do you have any idea how much tuition costs at Stanford Business School? Well, neither do I, but I'm assuming it's a pretty penny. But guess what? The key ideas of one of Stanford's most popular courses have been gathered into a book that's available for a modest price at your favorite bookstore. And what's more, today we're joined by the professor from that course, Myra Strober, along with her former student and current co-author, Abby Davison. And for the low, low price of zero dollars, they're going to share their key ideas with you. The book is called Money and Love, an intelligent roadmap for life's biggest decisions. And as we talked about yesterday, when you're making a big decision about your life, about money or love or both, you first want to clarify what your own desires and needs are. That can be tricky, but it's doable. But even then, when you think you know what you want, you're still not ready to make that big decision. The next step is to talk with the person or people who will be impacted because there's always someone who will be impacted. So talk to those people, but do it carefully. When communicating, tread lightly, listen, and give grace. The second step of our 5Cs framework is to communicate with those most affected by the money and love decision you're considering. Because humans are social creatures, most of our big life decisions are going to have an impact on others, which is why talking about them with others is important, even if it might seem at first like the decision might affect only us. Big decisions are fraught topics, and we need to tread lightly. For example, be sure to tell the person or people involved that you have something important you would like to discuss and agree on a time and place to talk before launching into the conversation. Serious topics deserve a private venue with enough time to consider points and counterpoints. Don't raise the topic nonchalantly when you're brushing your teeth at the end of a long day. My husband and I have had good luck discussing heavy topics on a hike. We find that getting out in nature, away from the chaos of our everyday lives, helps us to think more expansively. When talking to loved ones about big decisions— It's important to listen empathetically and without interruption. Leave your phone in another room, and when you've said your part, let the other person speak for as long as they need to without cutting them off. Lastly, give grace. These conversations might be awkward and uncomfortable. In fact, they're likely to be. If things get heated, you can always come back to the conversation when things are calmer. If you give your partner grace, and somehow muddle through, you'll find the conversations get easier over time. Your second C is to communicate. And this is another thing that I found sort of radical in your book is the point that these decisions are not 
done in isolation. You're never making a decision by yourself. Anything you do has an impact on others. Obviously, it does if you're talking about marriage or child rearing. But even things that seem like maybe personal decisions, maybe you're a single person deciding to move or to buy a house, but you're still impacting your friends, your family, you're still, your decisions ripple through your community. And I like the idea that the second thing you should do after you clarify your own values is start talking to people and getting their input and feedback. Would you say more about how communication should be thought of? I see communication and clarifying as a kind of dance. Uh, So first you clarify your own values and your own thoughts. Then you communicate those. And the communication process is extremely important. Most people think about communicating as talking. And of course, communicating does involve talking, but it also involves listening. And most of us are not taught very well how to just be quiet and listen and pay attention, not let our thoughts go elsewhere. And if you do that, if you actively listen to the other person who's telling you their core values and their ideas, it's very likely, especially in a love relationship, that you will modify your own goals. So now you've clarified, now you've communicated a bit, and now you're re-clarifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you re-clarify, the other person is going to re-clarify. And so this dance goes on for a long time um, as you both um, work to reach a decision. And um, it's important to have these conversations in a way that fosters communication. So not on the fly, Mm -hmm. not when you're trying to get the kids out the door in the morning, not when you're brushing your teeth at night. And we advocate making an appointment with the other person. Say, I've really got something I want to talk to you about. You know, can we spend some time this weekend? Maybe take a walk together, maybe go somewhere where there's nobody else. Shut off your phones and really take the time to listen to one another. And there's something about listening that is allowing yourself to be influenced by what the other person is saying. So it's not just about listening and, you know, certainly helpful to hear everything that they have to say before you jump in, but it's also allowing what they say to sink in. And as Myra mentions, it's a dance and you have to be able to take in the information that they're saying and then let that actually guide what you say next. And it might influence even what you think about you should do about the decision. And so our our five C's are laid out in a linear fashion, but they're not linear in that you go from one to the other to the other. So it's very important that you let yourself be vulnerable in that listening state, such that what they're saying can actually shift your perspective. Besides clarify and communicate, you suggest we generate a broad range of choices. So the idea there, if I understand correctly, is sometimes when you come into these decisions, you think you just have one choice or there are one or two options in front of you. But to really take some time in the process to make sure there aren't other possibilities out there that you're not thinking of, to make sure you're considering all the pieces of it. Can you give me any examples of 
the ways in which there might be surprising choices available that we might not think about? Well, certainly when you're talking about dividing housework between you, there are often more decisions and more possibilities than you think of initially. Should you clean up the kitchen after dinner? Should your partner clean up the kitchen after dinner? Well, those are two possible choices. Another choice is neither of you clean it up and it's still there in the morning and you actually hire somebody to come and clean it up. Now, you know, that's not an option for most people, but it is an option for some people Mm -hmm. and that might be the right decision for them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe the right decision is to let your house be a dirtier than either one of you mm-hmm. thought was possible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, th- those are simple decisions. Yeah. Or well, maybe you do it together while listening to some music, or maybe you have your teenager do it instead of either of you. <laughs> so the point is there are more options than you might initially consider. And if you broaden your choices, you may find the right decision. And then I like that you, you have a C called, check in. So that's another place where, again, we're reminded that this is not something that we're doing in isolation. So I've generated a broad range of choices and maybe now I'm, I think I know what I want to do, but I might want to go back to my partner or to other trusted people in my life and just get some more feedback. Just make sure that I'm not missing anything. Checking in is where you get information from other people who have gone through this decision before, maybe studies, published resources that can be helpful so that you aren't all alone in this decision. So often that we, when we're making a big decision, we feel like very lonely, as you mentioned, or like we're the only ones going through it. And that's pretty rare. And so the check-in step lets you learn from people who have been there. But it's important to ask the question in the right way. And so instead of, say you're trying to decide if the person you're dating right now is the right one for you. We're not suggesting that you go to everyone in your life and say, should I marry this person? Is this is that the right decision? But, you know, find a few people whose relationships you admire, who have maybe been married for a long time, and ask them, how did you think about the decision about who to spend the rest of your life with, or Mm -hmm. help me understand how you made that choice. And so by hearing about their process and what was important to them, it might help you think differently. It might give you some new information. You're not asking everyone what you should do. And so that's something we really want to make sure uh, everyone understands. But we're trying to learn from the wisdom of others and the experience of others. Okay, so a quick review of the five C's of decision-making. First, clarify what's most important to you. Then communicate with those most affected by your decision. Then generate a broad range of choices, because even when you think there are only two options in front of you, there are usually more. Then check in with mentors, good friends, and other people you admire who may have made similar choices in the past. Finally, make sure you think through your decision's consequences, both short and long-term. We're kind of rushing through them here, but if you want to dive into this 5 C's framework, you can pick up a copy of Money and Love at your favorite bookstore. And you can follow us on LinkedIn, where we'll be providing more resources and support. And come back tomorrow for my final chat with Myra Strober and Abby Davison. We're going to zoom way out to try to understand why making these money and love decisions can be so hard, 
especially in a place like the United States, where concepts like family leave and subsidized childcare are still radical-sounding ideas. But we don't have to settle for that. There are things we can all do to make change. And Myra and Abby have some ideas to get us started. See you tomorrow.